Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with actor Eliza Butterworth and it's a great chat. Um... Eliza is full of energy and ace natter, and we have a real crack as well. We talk about some amazing records, uh, and we talk about her her life today and that creative journey, uh, and the kind of you know the, how, how that kind of you know come to a grinding halt for for so many people during lockdown, and and what she's done to kind of navigate through that. It's it's a, it's a really lovely chat. And uh, yeah, it was one of the ones when you finish and uh, and you press it up, you carry on having a natter because uh, it was a, it was a really good chat, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Before we uh, kick off that chat, a few thank yous. Firstly, thanks to you lot. Um, we're well into twenty twenty two now. This podcast, um, well, it's it started off just as a little side project because I like talking about records and I like talking to people that act or paint or creative people you know whatever they do and uh, and it just snowballed and, and through lockdown it was a, a, a real a real little creative lifeline really and, and when we sort of talk about that that sort of DIY aspect of how lockdown can affect on this this very episode but yeah and it just all of a sudden so many people in the arts were were at, were at a loss really and and, and and yeah and found themselves with time on their hands and it meant that I could get to have chats with them. Uh, normally, be you know touring or rehearsing or filming. So it was, it, you know, it it kind of was it was nice to be able to kind of use that 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 time and, and and just chat to these people. And so it it ended up kind of really sort of building this podcast. And I got to chat to people that never in a million years would I ever get the opportunity to to, to sit in front of in the studio. But because of the way that the world worked and the way that we all become very accustomed to to Zoom. And, you know, video calling, you know, got to chat to people like the Foo Fighters and Motley Crue. You know, these people are not the kind of artists that I'm going to go, yeah, well, if you can uh, get yourself to Shoreditch for about half two, we'll, we'll have a coffee and have a chat. And But, it, you know, d- during lockdown, the, these things presented themselves and it, it made and allowed me to really grow the podcast and uh, to the point where I'm at 350 episodes now. And, and now I'm kind of dividing between you know re- recording at people's convenience i'm giving you a bit of backstory really as to how this works um recording at people's convenience still over 
um, Zoom and, and, and remotely. But that opportunity to now still, you know, in, in the wake of coming out of the, the, the last few years of, of strangeness, I'm now back in studios chatting to people, which is lovely, being able to sort of look them in the eye and, and feel the kind of, you know, feel the atmosphere in the room. And, you know, you know what it's like because, you know, recording the podcast or not recording the podcast, if you're sitting in a room with someone and, you know, post-lockdown, it's still nice, isn't it? It's still a treat to be able to sort of go and go, let's grab a coffee or let's go and have a pint and chat. It's lovely. So, yeah, and... All of that wouldn't have happened unless you lot kept supporting this podcast. So, yeah, just a, a very long-winded thank you there, but but thank you. Um, and thank you to 76, who's produced all of the podcasts um, over the last few years. Uh, and ultimately, uh, the biggest thanks always goes to Scroobius Pip, who gave me the opportunity to get into podcasting, supported that opportunity, let me put my podcast out on his network, always comes and guests and, you know, always shows the love and support and uh and i imagine a, a, a huge majority of yous have discovered this podcast through um pip's podcast uh and, and pip coming on here and, and championing this podcast um if you haven't thank you if you have thank you uh but yeah but big big love and thanks to uh the podfather uh pipikins right if it's your first time listening go check out the back catalog as i've mentioned 350 episodes um, if you like your actors, um, then go listen to my chats with Amanda Abington, Joe Hartley, Maxine Peake, Thomas Turgoose, Michael Smiley. Oh, blimey, there's loads. Nick Blood. Go go, go get stuck in. Uh, comedians, Maisie Adam, uh, Ed Gamble, James Acaster, Rich Wilson, Jade Adams. Oh, there's bundles of them. And musicians, whew, where to start? There's probably about 250 of them with... Yeah, all your favourite bands. Uh, yeah, go have a rummage. And anyway, I'm wittering on. It's, it's the intro. It's not even the podcast. So please enjoy Off The Beat and Track podcast with the wonderful Eliza Butterworth. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off The Beat and Track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The cacao bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out, www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon, and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me stew with him. Right, we are recording. Woo woo. Eliza, how are you doing today? I'm so grand. Thank you, Stu. Thank you for having me. Oh, mate, absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Where are you today? Where's home? So I'm in London right now. I'm in North London where I live. Nice. Uh, in my- yes. Did you spend lockdown there? 
I didn't actually. I was I was lucky. I, I went up north with my parents, so they live in Lincoln. And as soon as the pandemic began, they whisked me up there, and I spent a good like two months with them, which I actually really loved being with them. It was really yeah. special to, to all be together for that time. It was yeah, it was tough for everyone, so it was nice to be up north for sure. How did you find it, like um, lockdown? Like I, I guess doing what you do in in the in the you know in the arts, yeah. you know, ninety nine point nine percent of that industry kind of ground to a halt like how did you find it creatively and and how did you find like you know the the last two years like personally how did you you deal with it like did you struggle in any way or did you you know it was odd it was so odd it was odd and I and my heart just goes out to everyone who was directly affected by it just people who've lost loved ones and you know my main sort of feeling over the whole pandemic because I look back and I just feel awful for those who have lost people it's just so sad and uh, but when it comes to like work and industries and stuff yes the, the acting industry definitely got hit major um, especially theatre that was really really tough and I have so many amazingly talented friends who just as you said their, their work just ground to a halt and it was so devastating to see um, and in a way that that the first part of the lockdown I, I wasn't able to work either um, and and then we ended up filming season five of uh, The Last Kingdom, which I've been doing for years. And so luckily with filming, it was it was tricky because we film in Budapest and Hungary. And so they basically had to down there for about eight months solid. No one could kind of leave or come back and forth or anything like that just because of the safety of that. No sure. one's sort of traveling too much or, you know, potentially contracting COVID or whatever. So um, they were really amazing, actually, our um uh, sort of production team to have let it all you know still be able to happen during such a tough time oh, sure. so I, I was kind of one of the lucky ones when I look back at it I think gosh it's you know I, I was okay that I got to work and still be creative during that time but my gosh so many of my friends it was just so awful and I think it, it's it's made a lot of creative people even choose different career paths even you know that sort of instability that comes with our industry has has it sort of frightened them and they've they've gone into different routes now which is also kind of sad because they have such talents and skills and it's it's you know so upsetting that they've had to swerve away from their natural instinct what they want to do um yeah so I was one of the lucky ones I will say so I know I know what you're saying about that and it is a shame that some people obviously have to pay the bills and had to you know maybe do something that wasn't their dream career path but I I do also think that a lot of people in the kind of creative fields like if you look at musicians and things like that all of a sudden they couldn't go to studios they couldn't go to rehearsal rooms and and you know and write songs with it and I think what a lot I think you know a lot of creatives did do and I mean I think it's a lot harder to apply that to sort of actors but I think people just looked at what they had at their disposal. I mean, look at what we're doing now. Like, who was doing Zoom chats three years ago? Now it's a normal, yeah, completely. And it's ridiculous. I was literally saying to my wife, like, this week, I was going, like, do you know what? Like, I think I'm, like, have a really sociable life. But I'm just taking stock of it. And I'm thinking, I speak to, like, you know, two, three, four, five people a day and have these beautiful, long, you know, conversations about art and creativity and stuff like that. I'm fundamentally sitting in my shed talking to myself in a laptop. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's not actually if you like, look at the context, you're like, hold on a minute. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't actually left the house or, or yeah. seen a human being. So it's like, yeah. it's quite strange. But but I do think like that kind of thing of like having all of the things 
that you usually do, sort of stripped away. I do think a lot of people then went, right, well, what have I got at my disposal? What can I create? And I think some yeah. really amazing stuff's come out of that. Like, I completely agree, Stu. It's amazing how quickly we all adjusted and how everyone sort of took care of each other in the ways they needed to, but via so many other methods we never thought possible. So, yeah. like, zooming friends or throwing a friend's birthday over zoom or house party or whatever it is but definitely creatively I will say so many of my friends who are actors especially um, became writers during the lockdown yeah. and some of their amazing ideas and visions that they'd always sort of had stored away they finally sort of had the time and space to think right well I can't I can't act I can't be on a stage I can't be in front of a camera right now well what do I have at my disposal I still have these other creative thoughts yeah. let me get on the page and oh my goodness so many of my friends have created the most stunning work plays um screenplays it's just like wow and if anything I'd say now in this current time a lot of actors would agree there's been an influx of writing there's been an influx of projects that have now been submitted and people are trying to make and that comes from like amazing small little theatre companies to like huge giant television productions so from that I will say if there is sort of a you know a kind of nicer element to look at what could have potentially come out of it is that you know that creative people could you know let those uh, ideas flourish totally. in a sense and uh you know because it's such a devastating time for so many people and um I suppose it's just it's just nice to see that that time was used in a in a really great way and that some you know some cool cool projects have come out of it so I definitely have seen that for sure hands down it's, it's brilliant absolutely right let's talk records Ooh, exciting <laughs> track one I want you to tell me the song that you think's got the greatest ever intro please well, so this is not a very well-known song, I wouldn't say, but it's called On and On by Harvey Mason, mm-hmm. and it's a 1970s track, and the opening is just the coolest track you've ever heard. It's just like funky drums and like pow, pow, and it's <laughs> 70s, super disco, and I, I would say my favourite genre of all music is 70s disco. Like, I absolutely love it. I used to watch Soul Train videos oh, as a kid. Oh, man. Wow, right? Woo! All of that kind of stuff. I just think, wow, that era of time, the way people look, the way people move, there's such a freedom. There's and you can hear that in the music. And so, although this isn't a well-known song, it's it. I think it encapsulates that beautiful funky '70s vibe yeah. where it's just a chill coolness. And I love people like Curtis Mayfield um, and and like Chic. And there's just so many incredible bands that I just think, wow. And I just listen to their music every single day. So although this one isn't super well known, I think feel like if somebody heard it for the first time, they would be like blown away and actually often I sit with my friends whenever we listen to 70s music a lot of them will say imagine being in that era at that studio 54 imagine oh my god and hearing that song for the first time you know like George Benson's give me the night or something like that have you heard have you heard Randy Crawford do that George Benson's no. Give Me the Night. It's a, it's like a, it's a really lazy, like sort of chilled out version of it. And it's, mm. yeah, Randy Crawford's voice is obviously off the scale. And wow. like, and that's such a good song anyway. When you get a chance, check out Randy Crawford doing <laughs> Give Me the Night. It I is, it's oh so good. And I'll tell you what, like, it's so weird you watch Soul Train videos. Like, <gasps> it's literally, whenever I'm feeling a bit blue, it's like, that's my go-to, right? I love Rosie Perez, right? And yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen the sort of later era, that kind of sort of 80s era soul train. Yeah, yeah. And Rosie Perez, mate, what a <laughs> dancer, man. And like, yeah. 
literally, it's just when like Whitney Houston, Bobby Brown, and all that's happening, and she's just busting some moves. But some of them iconic seventies ones, like just the outfits are just spectacular, man. I wish we could go back to that era of dressing. I just find it so cool. Everyone looks great in flares and the sequins and the hairstyles. It's just oh, it's beautiful. Because I also love seventies music, you know, like Fleetwood Mac, you know, that kind of style as well, the sort of more folky style. Um, but but there's something about the disco. I think whenever I watch a movie as well that's set in that era and they kind of, you know, get to explore the sort of disco scene, I just think, wow. And there's a there's a, um, a TV show called The Get Down. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you've seen it, yeah, that's that's awesome because that was, again, an ode to that era of time and that I was on that, like you wouldn't believe. I was like, oh, my God, this is so me. And just, yeah, I love everything about it. So that that first song definitely just proves my love for the 1970s music disco scene. And that's the best way to start a playlist because is there any music more infectious that makes you want to dance than disco? Exactly. Nothing. Anything that, that chic drop, the minute it drops, it's like, oh, I need to move. Don't Stop Till You Get Enough by Michael Jackson, right? The minute you hear that, woo, and then strings come yeah, in, it's like... like I need to have a dance. Just want to dance. Exactly. <laughs> like Sly and the Family Stone. And there yeah. are so many like really sort of unknown ones, which is why I decided to pick this one rather than a really known one, because there are so many that are so sensational and it, it, they're not overplayed in a sense. Yeah. So when you find them, I think they're like little gems. Yeah. So when I found this one, which was quite a recent find, maybe like a year ago, I was like, oh my God, this is so me. Um, <laughs> but I, I couldn't believe I'd never heard it before. And I thought, well, there's so many other fabulous songs and records out there from that era of time that you just stumble upon, you think, my God. God, they, that is fantastic. So this wow. is one of those like hidden diamonds for sure. Well, you've gone way back already, but I'm going to take you back uh, a little bit now and ask you, please, to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Well, the one I chose was actually, it's very much to do with my mother and my grandmother. Um, so my mother is Italian-American and her mother used to sing the song Que Sera Sera to her. And there's a beautiful version by Doris Day. Um, and that's the version my mother would play for me. Um, but she she got sung that to her as a little child from, from her mother. And I never met my grandma, um, unfortunately. And I was, you know, so devastated. But I, I have pictures of her all over my house and she was just a, such a beautiful woman. And um, so she used to sing that to my mother. And then my mother used to sing it to me as a kid. We used to have the little tape of it in the car and she'd put the little Doris Day on. And so to me, that was my first sort of emotional tie to a song because I, I adore my mother and adore my grandmother. And so just to have that lovely link, it always affects me when I hear it now as an adult. Um, I get kind of choked up, even though it's a very sweet song and it's just about what will happen in the future and who can predict the future and what will I be. Um, there's just something really sweet and also really, really sad about it. Really, really just like moving. So that's the song that I feel like always used to get me. And I really love like old school singers. So I used to collect a lot of Billie Holiday, Ella Fitzgerald and Nina Simone um, albums as well. And I know Doris is, is like kind of in a different category in that sense, but that sort of really old school classic singing style as well. I just yeah. adore so that, that's also the kind of music that would move me when I was growing up. I was quite an odd child that I would literally listen to Ella Fitzgerald all day. Everyone else is listening to like Green Day. And I was like, Ella Fitzgerald's album, pop that on. It's so strange. And I used to wake up with it. I had a massive sort of like, not boombox, but like a sort of stereo thing with a with a CD player right next to my bed. And every morning I'd whack in either a Billie Holiday or an Ella Fitzgerald. And I do like my hair for school, always listening to that kind of music. Amazing. And Doris so yeah, that was my, my stuff growing up for sure. Kesara Saraz, it, it, it is, it's such an emotional song. And yeah. 
it, it is. It's like there's there's an element of longing to it, and like you know whatever will be. And but there is there's, there's it's just tinged with I don't know. It, it, it breaks my heart a little bit when I hear that record. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, completely. And you just think, oh, and and that no one can really tell you what the future what lies ahead, but that you know just just to be, just to just yeah. to be happy, just to be you. And so there's something really sweet, especially coming from a mother, a mother singing that to you. There's like yeah. this love and support and protection over you, and going, well, we love you, so that's all that matters. That's what will be, and the future isn't ours to see. It's just like that's a stunning thing to think about for sure. Did did you ever, oh, you're probably too young, but did you ever watch the Royal family, the comedy? I know exactly what you mean. And I probably dipped into a few episodes because my parents would have hundred percent watched it. I, I know of it and, and what it's all about for sure. Why well, was that? Was that song in that? The scene in script? which the grandmother passes oh. and one by one, they walk up to the hospital bed to say their last goodbyes. Oh. Kesara Sarari's playing. <laughs> And it's like, and it's it's heartbreaking. It is absolutely heartbreaking for a comedy as well, because it was tinged with a you know a bit of drama as well. It was it was so well made. But yeah, that that song. As soon as you sent that over, I got goosebumps thinking of that scene before I think of anything else. Like because it's such a I mean, it's an amazing TV show, but the that record is so poignant and just just cuts straight through. And 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 I don't know. It's just a, a sort of happy sad as well. It's a really strange song, and I think it, it, it's it's beautiful, but tinged with melancholy and yeah. I always find like sometimes the happiest of movies or with the most like stunning message are the ones that choke me up the most. Like Disney have been doing some amazing movies recently, like Coco, the one about like um, the beautiful Mexican tradition of um, La Dia de los Muertos, and then they go through this family like tries to, to find all the people that they've lost and, and there's something so joyous about it like a celebration of death let's say but then there's also just it's so devastating yeah. you're like oh my god or this movie called soul as well that's kind of a really i've still not seen that yet oh it's so cool it's so cool and that's just basically all about like us you know our existence and like what we see is is important and what's not important in our daily lives and it just puts it all into perspective and again like really happy awesome movie but it makes you think and it's just like oh. i was crying my eyes out <laughs> i need to cry my eyes out hi this is craig robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from invesco qqq the official etf of the ncaa the future isn't scary not realizing its potential however could be Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
<laughs> right, let's stay in these formative years, and uh, uh, and, and I'm going to ask you to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please, Eliza. Yes. So strangely, Canned Heat by Jamiroquai, just because, again, that goes into the funk era for sure, but he's more of a, a modern sort of funk guy. Modern funk guy, that's a weird thing. He's a modern funk guy. That's, that's what's on his CV, Jamiroquai. Yes. Modern funk guy. Me, modern funk guy. And he, uh, I just love Jamiroquai. Any song, to be honest, it was hard to pick which song because I love like Little L, I love um, You Give Me Something, but I think I probably would have listened to Canned Heat the most and I had like a little iPod shuffle when I was at school and I would and the funny thing you probably know about the iPod shuffle Stu is that you can't choose song you yeah. have to shuffle <laughs> and you're only allowed so many songs or whatever on the shuffle and every time I would be like walking to school or whatever just I would put on the Canned Heat Jamiroquai because it gave me all the energy all the happiness and the joy and like I don't know I think I'm an old soul and I really love funk and so even though Jamiroquai is more of a modern day aspect of funk, he was what I also grew up listening to because yeah. he's kind of that kind of music was sort of around when I was growing up. That was the, it was coming up as brand new, and I remember watching like MTV uh, on the TV and be like, "Whoa!" and all the cool music videos. So that was probably be a childhood song, sure, school day song. It's weird, Jamiroquai. Just kind of it, it. It it was like nothing else that was going on at that time. You know that that come out like I think Emergency on Planet Earth must have been. I don't know, 93, 94. And yeah. this is at the height of like grunge and Nirvana and stuff like that. And it was like, there's just this little guy that can really dance in this mad hat. <laughs> mad hat. I that, love the hats. That sings like Stevie Wonder. It's like, what's going yeah. on here? And, and then, yeah, it just like, it, it, and, and yeah, it just throughout all of the whole Britpop scene, somehow he just carved out his own yeah. niche, like, making this kind of like funk which yeah, was, was quite, quite amazing really that someone could kind of do that in you know certainly at a time like in the mid 90s before it was going on with blur and oasis and Britpop with suede and stuff like that. you know prodigy there were so many huge moments in music and none of it related to what he was doing yet he yeah. just kind of was up there head and shoulders with him yeah. doing his own thing so yeah that's uh and, and have you ever heard the song by the Superman lovers called Starlight? Oh, I love that song. Starlight, can you hear it? Yeah. That's like one of my favourites. I would say that goes in the same ilk of this one again, like a bit of modern funk, but yeah. I kind of grew up. And that was, in a way, that was so nice that that kind of music came out because for me as a child, that was brand new. So a bit like earlier when I said, oh, imagine being in the 70s and hearing like one of those records for the first time. In a sense, that kind of music gave us the opportunity as kids to hear that song for the first yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's why I think I loved it so much because I was like oh this has come out right now right here you know this year yeah. and then yeah it's so awesome and funky and I get to hear it sort of first this is yeah. like our music um so I think that's another reason why my heart kind of you know merged with yeah. that kind of sound for sure so how was school did you enjoy it do you know what? I actually did I actually really did I was one of these kids that sort of floated around every social group so <clears throat> I'd say I was a bit of a nerd at school, but like a good nerd. Like, a, like I, I think being a nerdy is, is fantastic. I, I wouldn't change it for the world. And I was I was like head girl at school. I, but I was like mixing with the popular kids, but also with the kind of theatrical and musical kids and, you know, the sporty kids. So I was sort of like a bit of a butterfly in that sense. I sort of got on with everyone. And I think I just, I really adored it. And basically, well, actually the, the kids that I grew up with are still my best friends now to this day. And we all grew up in Lincoln. And um, from then a lot of us, 
and moved to London. So although I don't live in Lincoln anymore, my parents still do. Um, I see all of my school friends, literally from the ages when I was like seven, eight, nine, ten. Just they they just like live around me, and it's amazing. And I see them a lot actually. So I, I'm very very lucky in that for me, school was a very positive time, and um, I was really able to flourish as well as an actor because at school I. Um, was actually the shyest kid on the block. You wouldn't believe it. When I was about maybe six or seven, I was the shyest kid ever. And my mum would sort of force me to go to these um, local Lincoln theatre sort of summer camps and I would freak out. I'd be like, no, I'm not going to that. And there was one night, funnily enough, oh my gosh, one summer, this all makes sense now. I'm literally like realising this makes sense. We did Saturday Night Fever. There you go. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) And that was our summer camp play to work on. And um, and you do, you, do, you do it for like six weeks and then you put the performance on at the end and all the parents and family come and see the kids. And, blah, blah, blah. and I remember when we did Saturday Night Fever, I was like, okay, this is fun. This is really cool. And I stopped being as shy and I was talking to people more. And so that's the thing that then kind of got me into then doing like GCSE drama. And then from then, drama. And that's when my, my teachers were like, you should think about looking at drama schools. And I remember thinking, I don't know anything about that. I do not come from an acting family. My mum's a nurse. My dad's a pilot. Like we're not like my family are very entertaining. I've got a lot of really talented like cousins and uncles and stuff, but I don't know. I didn't know anything about that world, I guess. Um, and yeah, that, that kind of started me off for all that. And the, the school I went to and I went to it my entire life definitely helped me a thousand percent flourish into what I do now. So literally look back at it with such positivity, actually. I'm very lucky in that sense. So, you know, you you spoke about there about sort of developing your confidence through, you know, through summer camps. And and, and I guess, you know, the more time you're on stage, the the more confident you're going to grow within within that space. Um, You've chose a ridiculously tough and competitive industry to work in. Um, that I'm I'm sure comes with plenty of knocks and uh, and you know from from the 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 actors that I've spoke to on here uh, most of them said you know you need to learn to be able to take a knock on the chin because they you know it it happens a lot in this industry Um, confidence aside Mm. tell me about drive are you are you driven definitely I think when it comes to work that I'm extremely passionate about for sure I'm driven and like when it comes to auditions as you said Stu like a lot of people get knocked down and you you have to have that ambition you have to have that love and compassion for your job otherwise with all those knocks you just think well screw this I'm not going to do this anymore so I definitely feel like that that drive has has landed me where I am today and I've I've had all kinds of knockbacks and and no's and and every actor does and I actually think that makes us really resilient folk in a sense because we understand that it is a business and it's a weird way of looking at it but like you are the the product of whatever this production wants or needs and whatever you can deliver is what they might want and it's just it's a new letting them know that you showcasing it you you delivering your best performance in whatever way that could be and it's it's nice when it, it lands because of course it makes you think right I've done I've done that but when it doesn't land it doesn't mean that you're not right that you're not talented that you're not brilliant that you're not you know going to be successful because and that's the warped reality of where I think a lot of actors maybe really lose their self-esteem because they take it really personally and and how can you not of course sure. it's so natural and I've had to really learn how to not to but um to, to sort of separate and divide yourself 
from the rejection and think, right, it's not, it, it, you could have been phenomenal and maybe you didn't have the right color eyes. You know, there's so many things that it's just not in, even in your control or you weren't the right age or something like that. Again, you, you don't have power over that. So there are so many elements where I just think, actually, if, if, if the job is meant to be for me, it will be for me. And thus far, I think I've had such a, a really cool career. I've, I've really learned a lot about screen acting, especially through The Last Kingdom. It's sort of, it really kind of raised me on screen acting. I didn't know anything really um and I remember getting that job and I had just turned 21 and I'd left drama school like a few months before and I got it and I remember thinking I don't know what I'm doing and then I ended up doing it for nearly eight years so all in all that trained me how to be a screen actor um out of coming from theatre school and learning all about like stagecraft and then to go into that and like I don't know, I think I think I've been very lucky and I know that that hasn't happened to, to a lot of actors that you get to be on a recurring season I know that for sure so in a way I look at it as like you know I'm so bloody lucky and it's also like like an extra training in screen acting for sure um but yeah a lot of actors it's 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 such a tough industry and I am so proud of all of my friends and everything they've achieved and what's really cool is seeing people find their own so although they might have thought oh I definitely want to do the globe or I definitely want to do Shakespeare they end up becoming writers and then they create stunning work or or they kind of come out of acting or Together and maybe use that acting for like mentorship or for teaching or for working with kids or there there are so many different avenues that I feel like acting can take you in um, which is a really great thing it's quite an open field in a sense that being an actor you get these skills that actually can apply to a lot of things that are really helpful in life so it's really nice to see my friends kind of that they're all finding their their groove in a sense and um, it's not always necessarily where you thought it would be like I never thought I'd be a screen actor no way if you'd have told me in the final year at drama school you'll be doing you know cool tv projects I'd be like yeah right I always thought I would just you know I'd be doing like classical works and I love all that kind of stuff Shakespeare and um Jacobean plays restoration and stuff but yeah it took me down a complete different path so you just never know I guess as well as the other thing and but I've learned definitely not to take things personally because I feel like it's just that's just not a fair way to live on yourself like nobody should beat themselves up every day about that especially if it's not in your control and you are putting in the work and you are talented and I think if it falls into place it falls into place and that's that's all you can really do about it but in terms of yeah ambition and drive I'd say I've got it there because I care so much about what I get to do for sure and I'm lucky thus far that I'm still doing it you know so yeah wonderful (laughs) wonderful right uh, this is the last one in the formative years. Uh, oh, yeah. The first song that you remember buying from a record shop? Yes, was Say My Name by Destiny's Child. Um, I'm obsessed with anything Destiny's Child, anything Beyonce, anything to do with Kelly Rowland, Michelle Williams, all of them. I love them so much. Um, like all of my girlfriends in Lincoln, we all grew up listening to Destiny's Child for sure. That was our thing. Any like little school disco or cute little sleepover, that that kind of song was always playing. Um, and I do remember going into HMV and I used to buy the, now that's what I call, you know, yeah. 64 or whatever. I, I had collected those. I had so many of those. Um, but I will say I remember buying the, the Destiny's Child album with Say My Name on it. So that was like uh, definitely the one I bought. And I must have been about. 10 or 11 or something like that and got my mum to buy it for me um but yeah anything to do with that band is just stunning and it's it's the Destiny Child sound is like kind of an old school R&B um which we were getting back a little bit with some artists today which is really nice but there's something like 
something so fun about that kind of music but especially for like young girls growing up Destiny's Child were a very powerful female group and very very um inspiring and moving and powerful so I do think there was a lot of that in it looking at them and being like oh I'd like to be like them one day you know like aspiring to be these you know fantastic women so yeah that was probably why I loved that song so much as well. Aside from the 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 music that you was playing uh, at home was it a musical household anyway was like would mum and dad play records or was there instruments in the house or? That is such a good question Stu so I'm an only child so it was quite a, a, a quiet environment to grow up in anyway and I always say I wished I had siblings but you know of course I adore the the family unit that I grew up in but I often think if I did have siblings we probably would have been a bit more creative and and wild but actually I would say it wasn't a very musical house if anything my mum would have played more music than my dad but they didn't really influence me on my music I sort of found that alone so it's not like my dad was playing me funky 70s tracks that I found it like nobody really showed me that my mum would play music in the car but again it was like Doris Day sort of Italian music that kind of thing um, and she loved like Frank Sinatra and sort of like old jazzy things. That's probably where my Ella Fitzgerald sure. and Billy Holiday love came from was probably my mum. But but on the whole, no, we weren't like mad musical at all. I remember taking up the drums when I was about 15 and I was like, I want to be a drummer. And I did and I, <laughs> I lessons is mad for like for a good like two years. And I would say I was pretty good at it, but it's one of those skills where you've got to keep practicing, keep practicing. It's so physical. It's so about like, your muscles, your dexterity, the coordination, your rhythm. And when I turned 18... And how understanding your neighbours are as well. Oh, my God, exactly. (laughs) And your poor parents downstairs in the kitchen going, shut up! (laughs) I think that's probably why it went all a bit wrong, because, to be honest, if I'd have maybe got an electric drum kit, I probably would still be drumming today. But I had a big old Yamaha Pearl drum kit. It was burgundy. It was absolutely... so loud. They're so loud. loud. And the cymbals, like... (laughs) And so I was practising a lot. And, like, I'd have drum lessons at school, which was really, really fun. And But when I turned 18, I moved to London. And I came back then that first summer of drama school and I came back to Lincoln and my mum had sold the kit without like <laughs> and I was like what the hell mum what are you doing and she's American she's like well it was taking up too much goddamn room and to be honest you're not going to practice when you're in London you're not going to fit it in your little place in London so we just sold it I didn't think you'd ever want to play it anymore anyway and I was like what that is what so then from there I never really played them again and so I only really had although I say I can play the drums I had a couple of years of you know yeah. sort sporadic lessons and and practicing so I've got an amazing friend called Timothy Innes who is just literally the most sensational man and he plays my son on The Last Kingdom and um we were out in Budapest and there's a time where um we hired a drum kit and he literally played the drums for us for an entire day and any song that came on it could be like Mr Blue Sky by the Electric Orchestra whatever it was he played along and it was honestly one of the most incredible days of our lives we were like did you ever go and I did have a go and I was rubbish compared to him. I was like, oh, no, no, no. Um, because he's he's had probably a bit, bit, few more years of practice and stuff. And he's just so musically talented as well. So that came to him like a breeze. Um, but yeah, I did have a go and they were all like, all right. Um, <laughs> so good. And he was phenomenal. So it just shows that the power of drums, that you can, you can add drums to anything and it like zhuzhes everything up. Like I love the movie Whiplash as well about the drummer. Oh, and man, like, what oh. a film. Right, all of that kind of stuff. So I love percussion. I do watch a lot of drumming videos, and I'm just in awe of how quick people are and how they can change rhythms and how you can go from maybe like a beautiful samba kind of beat into like a hardcore rock sound. I think it's fantastic. It's got to be the most kind of 
primal of instruments, hasn't it? Absolutely. That is like the most ancient of all. Yeah. Like that, every culture, I'm sure, had a drum in in yeah. their equipment of music, for sure. It was probably the first, you're completely right. Yeah. So there's something really beautiful when you hear the drum sound. There, it, I guess it does, yeah, kind of get into your body in a sense, because we're all 100%. instinctive that in us that rhythm and everything even if you think you've got shocking rhythm you know you've still got an essence of it and when you hear the drums especially that just like syncs it up and definitely I that. let's take your clubbing track five yes. the song <laughs> that soundtracked your years in clubland please oh yes i would say it's body groove by the architects okay. um and that is like a classic UK garage song and I love anything to do with UK garage whether it's Craig David we rewind with a crescendo bolts like all of that kind of stuff that was I was probably more like 1920 when I started listening to that stuff um although it had been made way before that um but that's when I started really getting into that and like going out clubbing in London like I, I used to live in Tufnell Park so Camden was like a, a real go-to for like clubbing and stuff um and like central London Shoreditch that kind of thing and going to any like grime night or garage night was always like the thing for me I, I don't know anyone who couldn't dance to garage music like it's just so funky and fun and again I think it's there must be something at the the sounds link to me again to a slight funky sort of 70s there's something or it's like a it's not 70s at all of course but there's something like old school about garage like it's not trying to be I don't know super modern or super synthy there's like a cool funkiness about it that I can't even put my finger on but and I, I love I love rappers and so like all of that intertwined was just like my thing so body groove is the clubbing song love it love it and I think if you look you know you mentioned grime and garage and they're both predominantly like they're, they're British that's British music and like and it and, and there's something that I see time and time again uh with, with guests on here when when they talk about sort of garage or grime and, and it, they're generally London centric people. And it was just like, you know, and I go to this club and it'd be like grime night or this. And then some people mention sort of dubstep again. And it was all like, this is all UK music, like coming from London, you know, there was so much obviously R and B and hip hop coming from the States. And, and I think these producers like, and a lot of them bedroom producers, we just took all of the little bits of that and just made this yeah. sound that's, that's completely UK and, and mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And quite London. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that, that's exactly it, too. It's just that it's such a unique sound mm. that you hear it and you go, oh, my God, garage music immediately. And there's something about it that is just so, I don't know, I just find it so brilliant. I, I can't not dance to it. Like, yeah. that is a song that if someone played at a party, immediately everyone on the dance floor would be like, Wah. like <laughs> can't not. And it, just, it just reminds me of the summertime as well. There's something so freeing about it. It's really fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously. There is a fun essence of it because I also love like American hip hop. I love it so much. And there definitely are some really fun like hip hop songs, but some of it can be quite like hardcore, you mm. know, like Tupac and, you know, yeah. Nas, I love. But there's definitely like more of a philosophical um, edge to their rapping and their their lyrics, and which is stunning. Like you listen to it and you think, gosh, wow. And it's, it's, it's actually, it's very thought provoking. Um, but there's something about Garage, which is just like, here we go. We're going to have a good time. Everyone's drinking. Just like fun, fun, fun. So you can't like take it too seriously, nor can you take yourself seriously when you're dancing mm. to it. I think I love that element of it for sure. And and I'm a summer baby. I was born in the summertime. So whenever I had parties, always in the gleaming sun. So if there's something that reminds me of parties and sunshine and birthdays and just get togethers, and that's the kind of music that takes me back to that for sure. Lovely. <laughs> well, let's take you home. Favorite track from an artist from your home county, please. Yes. Now I'm being a bit skewered here because I was like I <laughs> What what fans have come out of Lincoln? And I did do my research and I tried so hard and I asked my parents and like, oh, we're not really sure. Um, but one of the songs I chose, um, the band is actually from Sheffield and it's the Human League. Mm-hmm. They're from Sheffield. And the song is Don't You Want Me, which is obviously like the most mm-hmm. iconic song ever. And I, as much as I love 70s music, I absolutely adore 80s music as well. Um, I'd say 70s music is my number one. And then we go to like 80s and then we go into like grime and like, uh, not grime, garage and sort of R&B. But um, Don't You Want Me by The Human League is a fabulous song. And although I'm technically being naughty and cheating, they're from Sheffield and not Lincoln. It, they're, they're so close. And I, and I spent a lot of time growing up in Sheffield. Like I've still got a lot of friends that live there. Uh, and I was there a lot. I'd always go to Meadow Hall, which is their like um, sort of shopping centre. So Sheffield's still like part of me for sure. Um, and I love this song specifically as well because I'm, I'm currently working on a project right now that's set in the 80s. And I've been listening to 80s music non-stop. And I just think it's phenomenal. There's something about it. It gets into your blood, like it's electric. There's something where you feel like an absolute G if you're walking down the street listening to that kind of music and I don't know, there's something very cool about it all. Um, whereas the 70s gets me funky and happy and joyous. This this is kind of more like cool. So the Don't You Want Me song is definitely one of my favourite 80s tracks. And I thought, well, they're from Sheffield, so it's close by. <laughs> so, and, and, and it's such an amazing record. And, and I mean, I don't know if you know much about the story of the Human League, like the, the, the two girls that sing yeah. uh, with Philip Oakey. Um, like the Human League, there was there was the Human League were when they first set up. There was more members of the band, and that band left and formed a band called Heaven Seventeen, who have the big song Temptation, which I'm sure you would have heard. Temptation, yeah, that one, yeah. And, uh, and uh, so, but the Human League, like they they basically went to a club in Sheffield, and 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 he saw the two girls just dancing. And just went, do you want to join the band? And like, didn't even know if they could sing. And then, yeah. and obviously, I was working in a 
uh, I was waiting, yeah, I was waiting, cocktail, in bar. cocktail yeah. bar. Like, you know, one of the most iconic lines ever. And and it, by two girls that then become these superstars in, in the human mm-hmm. league and still playing to this day, just because wow. they were kind of just spotted by the singer in the in the club and just went, come and join the band. But, um, oh, I love that. And so what I'm curious about is, of all the music that you've mentioned, I was really, I thought it was quite a curveball when you said that you play drums. And yeah. I thought, there's not much like kind of guitar music in, in mm. this. And I was thinking, normally when people learn to play the drums, I suppose unless they're learning jazz drumming or whatever, like lots of people kind of you go to is rock, I suppose. Yeah. Like, yeah. Did that so, ever, and also in Lincoln, is, is the engine shed in Lincoln? Engine shed. Oh, that's major in Lincoln. Oh, yeah. All the little rock concerts. It's not a very <laughs> big venue, but it's like brilliant. And like, yeah, yeah lots of rock bands would come there, like things around like the Kaiser Chiefs and, you know, this and that. Yeah. Like, I'm sure even more, you know, international bands as well from yeah. America even come. So, uh, yeah. I, do you know what? That's so interesting you said that, Stu, because I've got a gorgeous friend called Abby Ford. And if she ever listens to this, she will laugh because she kind of got me into rock and emo music when we were about 14 or 15. And I remember we would, I would hang out every day and I would, I would listen to Green Day, Biffy Clyro, Billy Talent. And I actually think, so I'd have been about 15 then. That was right before I bought a set of drums when I was yeah. about 16. I think that definitely influenced you know, I, I grew up sort of, as I said, listening to like Jamiroquai and all that, all that kind of stuff. But I met her and and I do think the scene of, of our generation started to change. We did listen to rock music for sure. That was the sort of generation. And especially a place like Lincoln and a lot of my friends would go to the Download Festival, like the big rock festivals yeah. and um, Reading Festival, stuff like that. And I definitely was influenced by rock music for sure. Um, and I would li- even watch Kerrang, you know, it's like next to MTV. And sometimes I go to Kerrang. And to be fair, actually, my favorite bloody band was Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. I felt talking about that era of growing up with a bit of rock and a bit of like wanting to be a drummer. It but was- they're, they're fundamentally a funk band. And then every <laughs> thing, there you go. Do you see the tie always comes back to funk? Always, that's just one of my favorite He always comes back to funk. <laughs> Literally, always something to do with funk. Why they were my fave when it came to that yeah. genre, but the Red Hot Chili Peppers, of course, because they've got a bit of that like, grooviness about them. Completely, That's- completely. New new single out today, I believe. I literally saw the, the video for their new single today, and Anthony mm-hmm. Kiedis still looks about thirty. And now, when you think <laughs> he's got to be well in wow. his fifties, and like oh. the stuff that them boys put their bodies through in the nineties, yeah. and yet. He's still got his shirt off, six-pack, looking absolutely incredible. You think, whatever he does every day, I'll have a bit of that because it's, yeah, he looks incredible. That's amazing. It's coming out today. Well, that says everything then, doesn't it? That's coming out today. That's an omen. That's fantastic. (laughs) Oh, my God. Right. Last track, (laughs) Eliza, and uh, a song that many people may not know that you want them to hear. Yes, so I've chosen Jump by Van Halen and I freaking adore this song and like it's again a bit of an obscure one but it's it's in, it's an 80s song and it's just so full of joy and power and and like motivation and I just love it whenever that dun, 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 whenever that starts I'm just like what? It just takes, I, I, I didn't swear by the way. Oh you're fine oh, you swear one. on this so, like, podcast <laughs> Um, but that, that's how much it gets me just thinking like, whoa. And every time I hear that song, although it's, it doesn't really link, apart from maybe with Human League, it doesn't really link with any of the other 
sort of well, there's the rock there's yeah. the rock but you've that's got the you've got the big lead that. synth as well from the 80s there you go that's exactly <laughs> there's all of that kind of stuff it combines and there's something about that song that the the thing is just like the best and you if i was to like go to the gym or or like have to just get up really early for something and just like if i'm not really feeling it i'm like Ugh. if i put that song on i'm like all right, here we go. It's like superhero moment <laughs> the thing. In fact, we had an amazing teacher at drama school called John Biscitzer. He's fabulous. And he said to us, um, what's your superhero song? And this was like, I must have been about, would have been about 18. And I was thinking, huh? And he was like, everyone bring in your superhero song next week and, and let us know what that makes you feel like. And I'm pretty sure I chose this because... It was like, it's the kind of song where you're on the tube, everybody looks miserable, you know, you've maybe had a bit of a grey day, things aren't going your way, but you put that on and it's like the whole world stops and everything else falls away and you just feel powerful and epic and it's this. I love it. And I, I urge anyone to listen to it if they want to feel good today. So, you know. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, we make it really easy for people to, to, to go and listen to it because we put a Spotify playlist together. Brilliant. to accompany the podcast so people can go and listen to all your song choices and some of the other songs that we've natted about today um one thing i want to ask you which i, I like to ask guests i mean you were just talking about like if you're sitting on the train and you've got your headphones on yeah. when you're sitting on the train and you're getting lost in a song and then when you get off a train and you're walking to wherever you're going and you've got them headphones on and you're getting lost in that song in your mind are you in a music video Completely, always, a thousand percent. I've got the choreography down, I've got the outfit. I've got the steam machine, the disco ball is coming down, the ceiling, a thousand percent. One thousand percent. Love it. I, I feel sorry for anyone who doesn't feel yeah. like they're in a video they're deprived you know what I mean like you've got to feel that way I love it <laughs> <laughs> Elias it's been an absolute joy talking records oh. with you um, before we finish up just let me know um, what's happening uh, for the rest of the year what are you looking forward to what's Elias looking forward to this year and what's happening professionally what you do um, so I'm really looking forward to the summer and the good thing about the summer this year is that I will be in Tenerife literally in a couple of days um, shooting this 80s TV show lovely um, and it's called A Town Called Malice, actually named after the song by The Jam, which is extra awesome. So, again, big O to the 80s. And um, it's set, the, the the show is set in Costa del Sol, and we're filming at Antenna for about five months. So, my summer is going to be filled with filming and being creative and being with this lovely new team and family. And so, I'm really looking forward and to that. And Pina Coladas. And Pina Coladas. Oh, God. Um, so, that, that's what I'm so excited about. And this, this new show is going to be awesome. It's for Sky. And it will be out in 2023, and it's like an eight-part drama made by the creator Nick Love, who is awesome. Wow! And um, it's all about um, these amazing South London gangster family that kind of get into big trouble, and then they flee to Costa del Sol, and the chaos follows them absolutely everywhere they go. So it's super awesome. And my character is very glamorous. She's called Carly, and um, again, big O to the 80s. It's big hair, big um, outfits, big jewelry, and I just love all of that. So, oh, yeah. can't wait! Can't wait! Eliza, have a lovely day. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's been a joy talking tunes with you, mate. Thank you so much. Lovely. Thank you. There you go, Eliza. What an absolute legend. She was so lovely. We had a real good chat. Always good to talk about the funk and soul. Um, and yeah, just a real lovely zest for life. And uh, absolutely, yeah, really, really uh, thoroughly enjoyed that one. So I hope you've got um, as much joy from that. Even if you got a fraction of the joy that I got recording that as you did listening, then you're in a good place. Big thanks to Eliza again. Uh, thanks to everyone at Epilogue for helping uh, facilitate that chat. 
And yeah, if you need to know anything about this podcast, back catalogue, Patreon, merch, off the beat and track podcast.com. I'll see you next time. Bye bye. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Eat